If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Fanboys, it's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here is your host, Derek Neat and Tidy McCaw. Thank you, Nate. This is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of the FanboyPlanet.com. We are podcasting from 1928 <laughs> in the Fairmont Hotel in beautiful downtown San Jose. Just recently still getting over the sting of no longer being the state's capital. They revoked pro- Prohibition. <laughs> We, that's why we're here, because we're going to drink up. I All can't right. wait to see that new Pocky that's coming out tomorrow. The jazz singer? I've heard it's a stinker. Uh, so people are getting dizzy watching it. <laughs> and listening to it. And listening to us, for that matter. To my right is, of course, my fabulous announcer. Nate Casta here. I am Nate Casta. Yes, and uh, across, uh, looking a little bit untidy. Uh Christopher J. Garcia. Really? I'd confuse you with Grandma Moses. In the future, you'll probably win a Hugo with a name like that. I could see it happening. Mock it. I have a cousin (laughs) Hugo. What are are you referring to? All right, so anyway. And uh, across from me there, podcast producer, because this is like the penny in Somewhere in Time. No, podcast? I'm Rick Snyder, and I'm bringing you back to the future. Totally different franchise. Indeed. What's that piano? Where That's are we? Piano. I see. We're that part was true. <laughs> We're in the 20s? Or 40s? We, well, this combination of fiction and fantasy is just... <laughs> Rick Schneider, this is your life. Uh, we've got comics news. Because uh, the comics world was actually rocked this week. So we're going to be talking about the step down of a longtime editor, which may have long-time per- repercussions for DC Comics and great news for indie comics in general. Uh, and we've also got some, uh, you know, the Star Trek trailer came out. So, actually, this was, again, as cool as that was, it was the teaser for the trailer. So, we'll talk about that. And it's the trailer for the, the trailer. trailer. Actually, it's the trailer for the teaser, technically. The trailer. And what Disney franchise that everybody loves but nobody goes to see is getting a third installment. We'll tell oh, the you. the Rescuers. The Rescuers. <laughs> Dang it, that works too. Lion King? <laughs> that works too. The Aristocats? No. <laughs> the we'll Aristocrats? <laughs> and what unlikely project of Guillermo del Toro's, as if any of them are likely, is going to go to become the latest stage musical? We shall tell you that and more. But after, first of all, we do just a little shilling. First of all, I want to thank our listener, our fandroid, Brian Kent, who did indeed uh, pick up a couple of items through Amazon and supported Fanboy Planet through Amazon. I hope you're enjoying that amazing Spider-Man Blu-ray set and that Dark Knight Rises. You mean Knight he went to one of the links on the website? He actually did. And he, he, he used went that to, to go to Amazon. And he and purchased. that picked money back to you? 
Well, not to me. To us. To, to everyone. To the crushing debt that is <laughs> <laughs> the overhead of Fanboy Planet. Wow. And, uh, but that's all right. I do it that because awesome I love you all. That was. So thank you, Brian. You can also support Fanboy Planet by, if you're listening to this on iTunes, recommend us to your friends. Rate us on iTunes. Subscribe. Listen to us on the Stitcher app. And, of course, you can go to PayPal. There's a little PayPal link on www.fanboyplanet.com. And you can make a donation like Linda did last week. But I think it came with a note saying, please, please, keep Chris away for another <laughs> night. Uh-oh. So, we may be well, in. yes. Yes. Hi, Linda. We've done... Horrible things. And Linda was so sad she couldn't be here this evening. I'm sorry, Linda. Because she heard Booze was going to be around, and she would have loved it. Booze is her favorite chihuahua. Yes, absolutely. Hey, there he is, Booze. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Don't step on him. So let's talk comics news, shall we? Let's do comics. All right. I read comics. You are. You know who else loves comics? Who? Karen Berger. Really? So much that she left comics this week. (laughs) Wow. No, I I think that's uh, that's actually true. So Karen Berger... Was a long time uh, head of Vertigo, the Vertigo imprint for DC Comics. Uh, stepped down this week. She started off as she was assistant editor on Sandman. Yes, um, but it was because, but she shepherded it from being a regular. They called it a mature book uh, to really the foundation of the Vertigo imprint. And so she is seen as someone who is very good at nurturing alternative views. Viewpoints. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't she seen as sort of the mother of Vertigo? She really was. And, I mean, I don't think she was the one who specifically said, turn the mature readers only titles into a single imprint. No, I but. I can't remember who that was. But uh, but at the time, DC was definitely in need oh, yeah. of, some, of it because you had Swamp Thing, you had Sandman, you were going into interesting directions, there were creators mm-hmm. coming who wanted to do books in that vein, and you were still trying to sell Superman and Batman. To Hollywood, I mean the kids, and uh, and so you, it was difficult to have those things coexisting. So they created the Vertigo imprint, and in the '90s, I mean that spread off to Paradox Press, yep. Piranha Press, some really interesting creative work. And comics grew up for a while, not threw up, grew up, grew up, yes, for a while. And uh, but when there was the reconst- uh, restructuring, when DC became DC Entertainment. The big rumor was it was kind of the death knell for Vertigo, but she held on, and uh, but she witnessed like uh, she had. And you guys have to help me with the pronunciation because though I love his work, I'm not sure how to say his last name. China Mielva, Mielville, China Mielville. She had hired him to do a Swamp Thing series for Vertigo revival. He had done three. He'd written three issues, and they scrapped it in favor of the new Fifty Two take. By Scott Snyder. Right. Now, the irony, or it's just coming back around, is then she was in the regular New 52, she was put in charge of China Mieville's Dial H, yeah. which is an incredible vertigo book yes. stuck in the middle of the New 52. <laughs> and if you're not reading Dial H, you should be. It's a fantastic book. That's my next buy. It is great, and it, and it plays with so many comic books tropes and history. I mean, it's just it, it's just clever on ways that we'll be rereading. It's it, To me, I have a feeling when you get into trade, it's going to be like reading Watchmen. Every and year you go back and you go, I didn't get that before. I love, and it, it, I love it because the hero is somebody every comic book reader can say, that's me. Yeah, which was, which in a weird way is taking it back to what the original yeah, series was, yeah. but now... That was a little sad. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's no uh, longer uh, 
fit young spry boy. I'm working on it, but first, a scotch. All right, it's all over there. Would you please, if you're going to put it on my tab, <laughs> O'Brien Kent's tab. Yes. Now, what? What? <laughs> I was reading on. Was it Tuesday? Oh, thank you. You're uh, welcome. Uh, I was have, we'll get you all drink. We shall have the official fan by. <laughs> what did you order that was so complex? I ordered a port. Oh, they have to fi- they have to dust off the bottle. Ah, yeah. Find a glass appropriate. Alrighty then. Okay, um, you're, you're only an occasional guest then. All right. Oh, yeah, so you is that- cheers! <laughs> cheers to you, cheers. gentlemen. So anyway, Karen Berger said me down. One of the things too is that she, uh, under her watch, we had Garth Ennis do uh, Transmetropolitan with Derek Robertson, mm-hmm. who will be interviewing in a couple of weeks, and. Uh, he, You've got, oh, I mean, just all kinds of things exploding again. Um, but the reality is that as Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns got more control over D.C., you notice these creators, Warren Ellison, Warren Ellis, I'm sorry, Warren Ellis is what I did, Transmetropolitan. Right. Garth Ennis was Preacher. She shepherded yeah. Preacher. And these are creators that have now gone away from uh, from Vertigo and are doing for things like Avatar Press and for Dynamite. Right. And one of the other things is... The rumor has behind the scenes that Warner was a little miffed because she was allowing for these creators to retain control over their properties. So a really cool Vertigo series that she did a few years ago called The Exterminators, which I believe Tony oh, yeah. Moore right. had been the artist on from the uh, from now on Deadpool, but one of the co-creators of The Walking Dead, uh, was about these exterminators in L.A. who uncovered this ancient Egyptology plot, this cult, uh, that was going to take over, uh, take over Southern California and perhaps destroy the world. Um, but once that series ended and he left, that writer left, he retained the rights and sold it to Showtime. And so Warner was a little like, again, oh, we left this really cool property that we could have bobbled utterly because right. that's what Warner right. does. Uh, we let Showtime take what, it. We gave that away. We gave that away. It's it's a problem. And, and the the Twitter sphere, particularly around uh, Paul Cornell's Twitter sphere, basically exploded saying, "Oh my God, that is the backbone of Vertigo." And right, because he's writing saucer country. Because he's writing for saucer country, yeah. which is the best comic ever written, as far as I'm concerned. And he's Paul, good. Have they slowed oh, down? It's like nine issues. Could you get 12? Paul on this podcast? Then I'm willing to let you say. Um, You're going to Texas, right? Has there been an issue in a while? Uh, there was an issue. Weeks ago, I think. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, and, you know, everyone, and Paul actually was saying, you know, this is not the death knell for Vertigo. It's just another step down a road that no one's quite sure where it's going. Well, I feel the thing is, Warner, if you're seeing it all as one entertainment conglomerate, Warner doesn't have much need to truck in being too edgy. They need the illusion of edgy. Yeah. That's why you take and one of the things that was hit her to step that made her leave was Hellblazer being cancelled, taken away as a Vertigo character, and mainstreaming John Constantine again so he can play nicely with Superman when they need him to. So, which which is know, not an unreasonable is cool. no. it's not an unreasonable corporate decision. But it's a corporate decision. Absolutely. It's right. not a creative decision. And the thing is You really think so? I think I think it's kind of I can see it being... I can see it being a creative decision. I, I want to be able both. to mix those characters up. But there was no reason you couldn't... Except for still have Vertigo had still said, have... we are not part of No, 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 of but that had already gone away. Yeah, that, that, that had already gone away. Right. I mean, for Hellblazer coexisted with Justice League Dark for a year and a half. 
Okay, well, that, yeah. You know, or rather, Hellblazer coexisted with John Constantine had reappeared before the new 52, but he was in Brightest Day. So we had two versions. We're fine okay. with that. At any given time, there's three or four different versions of Superman. You go over to Marvel, there's five Spider-Man running around. There's a, you know, there's a cartoon version. There's a kid's version. They, you know, so I don't think people, readers have a problem with that. No. But they needed to get it down to if you're going to position Constantine as something that a parent might... Well, see, that's my yeah, if a kid says, picks up Justice League Dark and says, that's cool, oh, here he is over in Hellblazer, oh, yeah. and a parent opens that up, what? Well, did he Flick say, said, what? Did Constantine show up on any of the uh, Justice League cartoons? Not that, I don't recall. I, can't, I don't think so. I, none of the ones I've seen, but I haven't seen them. He didn't show up on Brave and the Bull. And that's really, that's really, I think, the, the tipping point is, you really, honestly, thinking about it as a parent, you can't have a cartoon character like that that appears but, but he's in not Vertigo. yet but he's not yet and yes, but he's not that's but I, I but I do agree with you that's I have that problem so when I say it's a sound corporate decision I'm that's not necessarily a criticism mm-hmm. that's not because to me it's like you know my favorite seasons of, of NYPD blue were when the censors did not allow them to say bull s every episode there was always one episode that became a game like at the like, they could say it once a night, and it's like, is this going to be the guy who gets to say this? <laughs> but when you had colorful phrases, like, they were forced to look around, like, why you always got to be breaking my shoes? What are you breaking my eggs for? And you knew it, you know, they had to come up with a metaphor. Restriction can be, can still be great for creativity, but when you're talking about art writers like Paul Cornell, when you're talking about people like Warren Ellis, and, and, and of course, Alan Moore, though he's long gone. Long gone. You know, um... And it, but even Neil Gaiman, there were they need a freedom. They can't be told, oh no, you can't use that character because you know we need him to do this, and he's got to sell cereal in the morning. Uh, you know, so the thing is, whatever imprint she decides to land on it, uh, I, and one speculation I saw, which I really like because I do like this company, first second books. Are you familiar with them? No. So they, uh, well, you should, because they published, I believe, American-born Chinese. Jane, oh, Jane okay, Lin yeah, Young. Those, okay. Um, so they do a lot of books that are kind of, they're not superhero books, they're not necessarily sci-fi books, but they're really cool alternative books, and I, I have not picked up a book by them that I have not absolutely just fallen in love with. Yeah, American-born Chinese is one of the books that I go to whenever I want to read a comic and don't know what I want to read. Well, I, you know, and I got into the curriculum at our high school because what? it was so... It, it just speaks to, stu- you know, just to students, you know. So Gene Yang, local boy. I know. I interviewed just him. Just saying. Got him. Yeah. He's good. I'm just saying. They're good people. What's good next? People. What's next is <laughs> no one knows. That's the question. How about you guys read the Avengers this week? I foolishly <laughs> forgot my stack of comics uh, at home. So I didn't get a chance to read the Avengers number one in the Marvel Now. So you read it too, didn't you? Nate? That's right. I just read it before coming over here. All Excellent. Right, go ahead. Tell me. What did you think? Tell me why I'm mad I missed it. Because Jonathan Hickman is writing Avengers, and, and he's going to blow excellent. your mind. He's just I bought it. I bought it. Don't get me wrong. He's going to break the internet in two. It's almost like you're coming into the Fantastic Four mid Hickman season, right? Yeah, and he's, and he's was... telling, talking about all the stuff that hasn't happened yet, and it's like earth-shattering stuff. And then he takes the he takes the Avengers and he breaks them. Arguably, that's right, and then reforms them. That's right. That's and what that's Hickman where does. That's where we're left at the end of the book. 
just interesting a, and an astounding. So many new characters, so many old characters. You're not expecting. Who is the artist? It doesn't matter, does it? Because it's Hickman. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but it's a good art. It was good art. It's good art. Yeah. Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. It, I, I thought that the uh, the the transition stuff with Captain America. Captain America is pretty much the focal point of the story, and you've got you've got the typical Hick, Hickman, um, amazingly beyond any kind of threat you've ever thought of before, and the Avengers having to face it full on. But it's it's almost not like a threat because the guy who's doing it doesn't think he's evil, doesn't think he's going after Earth in a bad way but the Avengers obviously want to stop him and then you bring that last panel I mean I didn't recognize half the characters that were in that yeah it's it's the uh, go big so I think that the 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 key word for the Avengers this time out is going to be go big which means large cast a lot of characters including Spoiler alert! Cover your ears for twenty seconds. Hyperion. Oh, okay. So that's not. A, I, I don't know. If, is that a spoiler? Because I don't know what's happened to that character. I, you know, we should show remain nameless if you covered your ears for twenty seconds. He's I been in that other book line. Yeah, but there was still a version of him. Jerome yes. Opeña is the artist. Okay. Oh, I think he's good. But the uh, the character has been in the main Marvel Universe as well as being in yeah. this kind of alternate universe that's not the Ultimate Universe, although it's crossed over into the Ultimate Universe. So you've got you've got quite an interesting setup for... I mean, I've got to read the book again. I know... I know I, you read through the first couple of five pages and you're just kind of blown away by what, what he's alluding to, and then you get into the storyline, and at the end you just kind of go, I've got to go back and read that again. Would you agree, Nate? Yes, there's a lot of information contained in the Hickman version of the Avengers. Excellent. Definitely worth a rereading. I am totally into that, then. Uh, did you guys read FF number one in conjunction with Fantastic Four number one? I did. I have not. Did you read it? I did. And what do you do think? One, I love Michael Allred's artwork. I love Michael Allred's artwork, yes. Um, the story... I love that all of this is a prelude... To the five minutes in subspace... Four. Four minutes. ...that the Fantastic Four will be gone. Yes. A big setup. Terrible. Things are going to go terribly awry. I don't think this is going to be the most accessible to book to someone who has no idea what's going on in the Marvel Universe. I would tend to agree with that in space. And I don't know... But the AR helped. I, because oh, they're, using, they're using the AR... And I approve the of this. I approve of this as being, if you're going to be multimedia, if you're going to do this is comics of the future, instead of the asterisk, the little C issue, the footnote is you now the, the AR, AR. Okay. and they showed the history of it. Okay, so I didn't I, I didn't have as much trouble with the back history on any of the characters. Uh, but I have to say that there was, there was too much of ecstatic in my background with Michael Alred to I'm read ecstatic. this book as not just another ecstatic book. Really? I thought it was the Book of Mormon with superhero costumes. Did you? 
too much of Michael Allred's golden plates in my background, <laughs> as I have every okay. issue of that. <laughs> okay, uh, fair enough. The, the Fry Fairy arrived. That's fantastic. This place has everything. Well, He's a Fry Fairy. I don't know that I don't know they ever took ecstatic as ecstatics. Ecstatics as, as, as ser- I don't think I've ever said it aloud. Uh, as something I seriously read as a as part of canon in the Marvel Universe. And so this is kind of feeling the same way to me, like it's a side story or it's an it's almost like a alternative take on these characters. And I don't I, I didn't I know no, no, I know I get what you're saying. I know Ant Man's uh, Cassie, his daughter, died yeah. recently and that's supposed to be a Affecting his character, but the characterization there didn't work all that great for me. No, I think I think um, that many of these books in Marvel now are trying this too hard of the kind of non-linear narrative, right? For the sake of being a non-linear narrative, because we decided that's a cool style. It's like, no, you don't get it. One, you should do that if you are already so bored with the book. It, it needs something to shake it up, right? You have an actual structural reason why that structure serves you best. And I, I don't feel that that was the case here. Um, and and you, gotta, you need to have some familiarity. You know what, what, I, what I did love about the books? Were the full, pa- full page... Wait, Chris got his drink. Ah, uh, there we go. Ching, ching. Huzzah. Huzzah. Fine foot. What I did love was the full pages... That were the the FF's kids, yeah, and especially the one that was um, oh, what's his name, Franklin. Uh, well, Franklin and Franklin and, and uh, Valeria. Valeria, and then um, which is the mutant who can shut down other mutants' power? Leech, Leech, Arnie and Leech, with, Arnie, with, Arnie and Leech. with Alex Power. With Alex Power, that was fun. Those those were fun pages and. Oh, I think Remender... Oh, no, is it Remender? No, it's uh, Fraction. Yeah. Fraction has a, has a strong sense of the characterization. I like what he's doing with the kids. I just... He's a writer who can be weird and fun, and I thought a lot of that, though, was just weird for its own sake. I didn't care at all about Medusa, and I didn't care at all about She-Hulk. I'm not going to care about it yet. I, I, I want that book to stay focused on what made it interesting in the original series. All right, but for me... I didn't read that. I, uh, I haven't read it yet. Okay. I want to. It's going back in one big lump. Is what I want to do. So I like seeing the kids, but I want to know, like, on the cover is the character they're calling Ms. Thing. Obviously, the girl that Johnny Storm is sleeping with right. is going to be Ms. Thing. Right. You didn't answer that for me at all. No. Don't put, put on the cover. Do you have a theory about that? I do. Well, she's wearing the suit. She's wearing I the mean, thing I suit. She, I know she's wearing the thing suit. Right. That's obvious. But... Well, it might not be obvious to someone who doesn't. No, you're right. Know. You're right. But somebody, but you know, for me, that that's fine. But why is she the right one, other than Johnny? She slept with Johnny. She slept with Johnny. Venereal superheroism. That'll, that'll get you. That'll get you a that'll, job. And I think it's been done. It's been done. Sure. So what's next? So let me talk about it just because uh, Amazing Spider-Man is next. Oh, oh, hey, talk about Amazing Spider-Man, dude. You have to read from I read 698. 98. I read 698. 699 just came out yesterday. I read I went back and read from uh, 690. And I got to say 89. Dan, Dan Slott was picking up, thank you. 
was picking up a plot thread from like 40 or 50 issues ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. Dan Slott is not joking when he says, don't miss 698. No, no, absolutely. Because how is Spider-Man going to get out of this one? Yeah, I have a theory. I do too. But I don't want to say it. We, we should just catch up now. They're coming up bi-weekly. And we'll give it big coverage around issue 700. Once yes. 700 is out, that's fair game. Yeah, yeah yes. we'll, we'll talk about it. But definitely, everything. I understand why it's going to become superior Spider-Man. I like it. It's an interesting, interesting idea. It picks up on things that have come from the beginning of my reading Spider-Man as a little kid. Um, so we'll see. I, like I said, I have my theory. And... If nothing else, I want to keep reading it to see if my theory is right. There you go. So you I'm should forth. write your theory down in an envelope. That's right. Seal it with your wax seal. Ah, hand it to Nate. A surgeon, my a surgeon, and a virgin. Okay, what? Yes. My Winter is ring. coming. The amazing comic. Uh, so I did want to give a shout out. Now that uh, I did, I did take some time to do a little research on a story today. Because uh, Dark Horse and Ob Driver, who is uh, the marketing or, or the publicity person at, at Dark Horse, good guy, got me my sit-down with Ron Ely this summer. And so I feel like, well, if he asks me to take a look at something, I want to take a look at it. So he's been counting this thing called Husbands. Yes. By Jane Espenson and Brad Bell. And finally I got an e- a, a press release that says, Neil Gaiman loves Husbands. I'm like, what the heck is Husbands? So it turns out that this is a YouTube series written by Jane Espenson and this guy Brad Belt. It's a sitcom about two gay men who go to Vegas and they end up married, but they don't want to divorce because they don't want to set back the uh, the cause of gay marriage by being like a quickie divorce. So it's it's like it's turning the typical newlywed sitcom on its ear. This sounds like the web series that the guy who did the time, the traveler who travels in space yeah. and also in time did or has been doing for a while now. Yeah, I can't remember what that's called. It's, but uh, it's the same kind of the same thing where two gay men get married but they didn't really intend to. I wonder yeah. if this is the same thing. Um, yeah, guys just... It's fascinating that... Uh, Christina Kopniski is actually working on an article for me about it okay. uh, for the Drink Tank. And one of the things that I'm really interested in is apparently this is a performance by John Cryer that does not bring the bile to the back of the throat. Wow. Um, well, this is the thing. is This we- this web series has huge guest stars. Yeah, absolutely giant. Because Jane Espenson's involved. So all the Whedonverse has been pulled in. Nathan Fillion's been on it. Uh, Felicia Day. Felicia Day's been on it. John Cryer's been on it. Uh, I just saw a huge list. But why it's tied into Dark Horse is that they, starting in October, released digital comics. 15-page issues, six 15-page issues of it, written by Jane Espenson and Brad Bell with a different artist each issue, in which it was it's the cast of husbands put in the misadventures of Adam West is the best thing I can say. Wow. It's the morning after. They're going through their wedding gifts. They get this little token, and it puts them through, like, a superhero comic from the 50s. What is a gay couple going to do stuck in a superhero comic in the 50s? Then it's in a sci-fi story. Then it goes through. So there are six issues, all available on Comixology, but they're going to put into hard, into hard copy. Nice. And actually, I that sounds bad. Actually, no. 
it was a, it was pretty good comics. I mean, the thing is, it did remind me of a better version of the Misadventures of Adam West, <laughs> uh, which I bought four issues of and hate myself for. And I did not hate myself for reading Husband. So that sounds like you put with food on praise. the table of Adam West. You kept a I national check. Okay. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. He's over eighty. He's eighty-four. Really awesome. But uh, so anyway, I don't know that. It's Husbands. It's available on Comicsology or in the Dark Horse store. So kind of interesting. Uh, it's funny. It's, or go to the source material on YouTube. But that's. But the comic book is a spin-off, so yes, it's a new book. More stuff. More stuff. I see. Right. It's like if, you know... But go to the source. Do both. Start with the source. Spin-off. All right. It's why I always watch every season of Grey's Anatomy before I try to watch an episode of Private Practice. So what you're saying is you don't watch Private Practice? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I, it hurt my head just following you there. Let's I, was, okay I was hoping for a new subject. Let's talk movies, shall we? I love movies. movies. Star Trek. Star Trek. I'm excited again. I am super excited. The trailer came out today. Did you watch the trailer today? I unfortunately did not see it. I'm saving it all for pre-Hobbit. Pre- you want it, you're going to see it as a trailer when you go to see The Hobbit. Yes. As God intended. I don't want to spoil the trailer by but, watching the trailer for the trailer. But with The Hobbit, it is not a trailer. It's nine minutes or something. It's nine it? minutes, which is, I believe, and it takes a whole scene, which would make it a teaser as okay, opposed fine. to a trailer. Okay, I'm waiting for the teaser. I don't need to see the trailer for the teaser. The point is, I am hoping that, as I think Rick and I had speculated on the website earlier this week, that I don't want it to be, despite everybody saying, oh, it's Garth of Izar now. It's like, no. I don't want it to be a character right. that existed. But I'm sorry. Here's how I, I now know. I'm sorry. What we want is wrong. And the original thing, you said, not Khan. It's Gary Mitchell. Right. And because I made this very sarcastic remark when I put the poster. It's like, if he's Gary Mitchell, he's just wandering the universe looking for his Sally Kellerman. And, and then it was pointed out to me on Facebook today that Alice Eve is dressed and, and coiffed just, just like, like Sally, Sally Kellerman. Kellerman in the episode where no one had his Well, not before. exactly like, but the hair is... Enough. No, it's the hair it, is very and she's in the blue uniform, and she's all... So it's like, crap. Okay, so that is exactly what they're going to make. It does seem like it's going to be... In, it's going to spin out of that concept. But... The thing I, that I did also say, though, is the plus side is you can explore that concept in a truly epic way, sure, that you couldn't in that limited budget of 1966. Well, in 66, the whole the conflict is there on the planet between Kirk and Gary, and it had a bunch of goofy things. Like and the, if anything, this is, that probably already happened, and Gary's coming back. Ouch. Wow. Because you mean interdimensional or through the? Because uh, Gary got crushed in the episode, so right. I'm saying it, that's already happened. Right. This is Gary resurrecting and coming back for revenge on Earth. You think? For uh, it's very clear he's destroying San Francisco. I don't think I I don't disagree with you that it's it's somebody who's coming back, but I don't think he's coming back from the original series. People, we no, all no, know not from the original series. Okay. What I'm saying is. That the, ep- that the adventure okay. between Kirk 
and and Mitchell prop played out similarly. I thought we you don't were have saying to that, see it that his no, powers no. had let him spin to a different. No, 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 no. no. Okay. But we're I'm saying looking the obvious. It's fat and mud. It's obvious. Every Dude. side is there. Shave him. <laughs> it's obvious to me. If you were only, if it was only true, Chris. I mean, it, because that's when you say you don't want to see these characters. It's like, no, well, I do kind of want to see their take on hardcore fans. Yes. <laughs> I do want to see Harry Mudd. Just don't, just don't give me Cyrano Jones. But, yeah, but I do want to see Harry Mudd. But I don't necessarily want to see him in the movies. That's what I'd rather see a little side project that shows right. what's this universe's version of that. Um, but if you're going to give me Gary Mitchell, do this in a way that says this is, I, you know, it looks like it's going to be much, I mean, as you would expect in a movie, much bigger, much more sprawling. And and the, the power that we saw Gary Mitchell... Have and the release of that trailer dwarfed by just the first syllable Benedict Cumberbatch utter. Yeah, a million fangirls all fused and squeed at once, like so many fandoms went into a black hole of yes. And it's a wait, it's it's Sherlock in Star Trek, and oh, and he's bad. Oh, he's he's bad. bad. (laughs) He's more like Moriarty. So, so that looks cool. I'm excited. I'm very excited. I'm I'm literally going to buy a ticket for The Hobbit just to see the teaser. Are you going to walk out and protest? I am course? not particularly interested in The Hobbit. Unless I can find a place that's showing it at 48 frames per second. I will respect... Because I need to drop a little weight. I will respect that statement, providing you actually leave after the trailer. <laughs> I would. And wait a minute. Because you need to drop some weight. Vomit, he's talking about the yes. nausea. You've heard oh, about okay. that, yes. No, no, actually... It hasn't happened actually, yet. Actually, they, they're saying now that that was, that was two people who Twittered, and they don't believe that those people actually those people were actually just trying to wait, spin up... Wait, wait, Rick, Rick, I believe the proper verb tweeted. 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 Yeah. tweeted. I, I have seen uh, demos of 48 frame per second stuff, and it looks like PAL TV. Just really, really big. Okay. Um, but I really don't want to watch a movie at that. Except to say uh, that I have. would be the London... Would be the UK, the UK standard. But it's also... Which I will 3D. admit, I saw HD PAL TV in London at Selfridges, yeah. and it freaked me out. It, it is a little bit... It takes some getting I'm used not to. exaggerating. I yeah. walked by, I thought I was... It was a big screen TV showing the Green Hornet, and I thought it must be like an extra or something, and I was like, oh my god. That's... Yeah. That's... That's real, real. I wanted to reach out and tweak Seth Green's nose. I, I, I mean, mean Doctor Who we is. don't have the best thing ever in the U.S. No, we don't. No. We're being held back from international standards that could make our lives better. Thanks, Obama. Shave him. <laughs> I'm not saying where. What's that? I'm not saying what was in your dream. There's only one option. <laughs> we were going to talk about The Hobbit, <laughs> but I think that was covered. Yeah. But again, uh, let's talk about that IP, that internet intellectual property everybody loves and no one supports. I'm talking about, of course, Tron. Woo! Everybody loves Tron. Tron. And they've hired a screenwriter at Disney to do Tron 3. Yes. And they're committed to the same director of Tron. The Legacy, search for Flynn. And they have no idea where they're going. 
But as I picked up on another podcast, I started listening to Inside the Magic. Oh, yeah. Uh, or Behind the Magic, uh, the podcast about Disney. And they said, this is not going well for Tron, the animated series, which is Tron... Um, not Revolution. Revolution. Is it Revolution? No, no, Revolution was the movie, wasn't it? No, no Legacy. Legacy. Oh, Legacy. I think it's Tron Revolution. Tron Revolution, Revolution, which was on Friday nights at 8 o'clock, yes. has been moved to all the remaining new episodes we burned on Sunday nights at midnight. I just DVR it. Right. Actually, that's a better, that's a better post, Sunday really. at midnight? Sunday at midnight, better than Friday at 8. No, because I think a lot of kids love Tron. It's, it's a dumping ground. No matter what... Now it is be- Friday has become a dumping ground for stuff you have no faith in. Now after midnight, what you're saying is basically you have an audience that you believe will follow it. It's Monday, yes. What does it matter? They're just going to TiVo it anyway and watch which it anytime your, they which want. Is what your husband said, but but the networks have not caught on to that. Did you know the voice of God was a woman? <laughs> I did at one point. That's your God. <laughs> it is. Uh, fine. Two headed snake one, puppet. Is this one going to be called Tron Underwhelming? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I just rewatched. I just rewatched Tron Legacy the other day. Yes, and I I have to say <laughs> I have to say it was. Rick will explain the reference later. A far better film than I thought it was when I initially watched it. So you were whelmed on the. Rewatch. I was at the, I was whelmed. Totally whelmed. I was underwhelmed the first time I saw it. I was whelmed the second time. And I think the real thing is, I think it is a movie that is better in 2D than in 3D. Mm, because I do completely agree with that. I, I was because the first time I saw it in 3D, when I saw it on video. I saw it 2D, and it was was much more well, engaging because it waited until you get to the cyber world to be in 3D, and then you're already used to it being in 2D, and exactly. you've been wearing the glass the whole damn time, and so it's like, oh, it, faster than any other 3D movie. I forgot I was in 3D. Wow! Like it went right, my eyes just adjusted back to oh, it's 2D. And because they, well, they Pixar, most of those when I see them, I like it, but it's like yeah, I forget it's two. I forget that it's three D. So um, yeah, I, I, it's slightly better, perhaps. But what I think is that you know the, the thing is the Tron franchise is always it's an idea cooler than anybody could ever seem to actually capture in the story. Indeed, it, it and it, and Tron has to happen, and this is what the the miracle of the first one was. It has to happen when the possibilities of the future seem so much greater than what you're dealing with now. Right. And we're, we're all, still in the gosh wow of the net. But here's what I say. It's like, well, the studio executives that were, quote, that were vaguely on record about this, like, well, we don't know what the story's going to be about. I'm like, really? Because yeah. I do. Because Quora is loose in the real world. It was very clearly set up that, that uh, Dylan's son is going to try to destroy Flynn's company from within. It's clear you've got a life form that has created itself out of the internet that has come to Earth for the first time. What's it about? Uh, get a clue. And yet they've killed off Michael Sheen, which, which but, saddens me. But the, the sad thing is... It can be reprogrammed. The sad thing is, if you, if you go through the standard he Hollywood... a vampire. You go through the standard Hollywood writing sheep, they will ignore all that. And they'll write something entirely different. And... If, what, Are you if saying you, this is going to be Tron season of the witch? If you really want to do this right, you hand it off to somebody who can write cyberpunk, who can write like I'm thinking Bruce Sterling, or mm. well, yeah, you if, you or, at least get an outline from yeah, somebody get, like that. You involve William Gibson, Gibson, in it. yeah. You know, you get somebody who's going to really 
crack some eggs and make this Gibson thing wouldn't do it. You okay, get, you get Gibson, Gibson has determined that he is not a science fiction writer anymore. And you just convince him this isn't science fiction. Well, no, but he says he, he, he no longer believes that because he he can't write ahead of the curve fast enough. Yeah. But you get somebody who actually thinks outside the Hollywood box. Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman is the only science fiction writer right now in movies who is writing actual science fiction. What's he written? Uh, well, Being John, John Malkovich, Malkovich okay. Adaptation, adaptation uh, Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine. Oh, yeah, okay. Mine. And it yeah. would be... And you know, give it. Don't give it to Gondry because you know he's a director who will just drive him to the ground. But no, no, no. They're, they're using the same guy who revived, who did Legacy, which I think is the mistake because he was so enamored of his concept. I think it was a it was a decently plotted movie with direction that was just too in awe of. I get to make a Tron movie. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at this for a while. And and and. and, and, and that's not even something I, you know. I, I don't know him, obviously. Whatever. It's just like it just felt like it was not the direction. It was the editing. Something was way too slow with that, and too worshipful of the concept. Yeah, it was the pacing of the script. It, it really is what it comes down to. I think. Yeah, it was um, definitely pacing. Yeah, pacing was, but I don't think it was the pacing of the editing. Although there were some really loving shots that could have been trimmed, but I really think it was the script, the storyline. Yeah. So, all right, mixed emotions. Television, you guys are caught up with Walking Dead. So my note here is, go ahead, well, do it. It's the season end. Oh, the half season, season end. Half season season end. Yeah. Winter, the winter finale, as they call it. Now. That's right. Did everything <laughs> happen that you wanted to have happened so far? Uh, more than pretty everything. Much, yeah. Pretty much. My more only than problem everything. Problem was spoilers on. All right. Okay. La la la. They open up. Oh, I still can hear. They open up with the shot of uh, Tyrese's group. Yes. And then they walk through a hole in the side of the prison. I thought that was odd, too. Even though when they got to the prison, Rick walked around the prison three times and couldn't find any areas where people could get in or out. And they yeah. made a comment about it. How many times is he going to walk around the prison? I thought that was weird. And you know what I thought? I thought they were doing a flashback at that point. Well, I thought they were ahead in the future, and this was some... Hole and destruction that had happened in the combat with with the governor. I thought it wasn't even the prison. I thought it was some other separate building. I actually thought for a second that they were looking at a hole into what is it, Woodbury? Woodbury. Uh huh. I thought they were going into Woodbury. But regardless, everything after that point. So you take out the complete illogical right. way that they got into the prison. Everything after that was awesome. Everything yeah. before and after that was awesome. I guess really. Um. The, uh, the it scene's ends on a wonderful cliffhanger. The scene where Michonne opens up the door to the little girl. Yeah. Oh God! And that had been that had been foreshadowed that in was, the previous week's Talking Dead. That's right. They show changed. that scene, and I'm still like, I don't think I can watch this. <laughs> I don't think I can watch this. Don't do it. Don't do that. No, that was uh, simply awesome. I think everything has happened so far. Everything it's that better you than want the, to happen better than the comic. Happened. It's been better than the comic as far as... Woodbury did not feel as real to me in the comic as it does in the TV series. That's interesting. It, it really felt more like people just getting by, had like walls kind of thrown up, and but 
Which Robert Kirkman, by the way, is you know absolutely okay with. He's he keeps saying he I, I've read more than right. an interview where he's like, no, the show is better, and the differences they take, the liberties they're taking are great. You know, so that's well. The big thing, I mean, this isn't a spoiler unless you haven't read the last fifty issues or maybe sixty issues of The Walking Dead, maybe seventy issues of The Walking Dead. Is that uh, maybe eighty? Maybe eighty. Um, maybe one hundred and twelve, Chris. That that. The governor is responsible in the comic for Rick being left-handed, right? Oh, I knew that. Yes, and yes. and it's and been a big question as to whether or not right that was going to happen in the series, because that is that is really a defining point in Rick's character in the comic. Can I ask a question? Because as we have off of the side, is The Walking Dead a, a, a series? That the entire Brett Schneider family gets together and no. enjoys? No, I just saw the same. No. no. Um, so I'll be with Debbie. Debbie, can we do like get wine or something on, on those nights? Nate's pressured me into watching this show and I don't want to. I'll watch it in a den. Just say no. It's okay. I, well, I, I don't live with him. I can say no. Yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah, no. I'm just curious. So I just thought, I wonder if Debbie's, you know. They did make me watch an episode of True Blood once. Yes, we did. I would have thought you'd enjoyed that. Well, I don't know. The episode I saw... There was you know, a lot of sex in it. It was not a great episode. No. And there was the, a that season... one girl that just turned, I just wanted to shoot her There was already. a season opener, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was the yeah. first episode I'd ever seen her, and I wanted to shoot oh, her. Oh, this season? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. She can go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's not one episode. She can... Yeah. I know it got a little... I don't want to. I'm excited. To, I don't want to, to do that. Get it on DVD. <laughs> yeah. Write into editor at fanboyplanet.com and implore Derek to watch The Walking Dead. Hey, if that gets you writing in, all right. Tell you what, if I get ten emails from ten different people, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Gis Garcia and Kyan Brent. Linda, write in now. Oh. Yeah, that's two. I'll watch The Walking Dead. Okay. You have. New Year's Eve and New Year's Day to watch all three seasons. I will be busy playing comedy sports, I'm pretty sure. It's called DVR. Snape, that just happened. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) What's next? What's next? next? Hey, let's talk about stage shows. All our worlds colliding. That's right. Guillermo del Toro adding to the list of, I believe we're up to 543 projects that he has (laughs) to do to satisfy fandom before he dies. Uh, He is working... With Paul Williams, that's right, writer wow. of the Rainbow Connection and Phantom of the Paradise, we're with Paul Williams on a stage musical adaptation of Pan's Labyrinth. And I've got to respect Guillermo because the reason why he wants Paul Williams is because he loves Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah. Of course he of course does. He does. Brian De Palma? Yeah. Wasn't or, he also the guy who did Crawdaddy? The, the other rock magazine? I don't, the, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But... Uh, the point being, Pan's Labyrinth as a uh, stage musical. I, I keep on flashing on the though. Lion King. Well, no, I mean, I could see it being very yeah. interesting. You say you have that grin like you think that's funny. No, I... Just I, don't get Julie Taymor anywhere near it. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that's what I keep thinking it. about. I keep on thinking because about Because the combination of Guillermo del Toro and Julie Taymor trying to pro- work on a promised project... Yeah. Will There'd create be a hole in the space-time continuum. Yeah. And isn't she a wholly owned subsidiary of Walt Disney Corp by this point? Oh, no, she's not. That's no. what the issue is. She has successfully... No, because it wasn't Walt Disney. She... Oh. 
It is now because Marvel bought it. Yeah, because Disney bought it. She successful, successfully sued Disney and won. And she's never been heard of since because that's what happens when you beat <laughs> Disney. You disappear. So she's like Scientology. You know, in, in between, there's a, there's in between new- California Adventure and Disneyland, all those tiles... <laughs> There's this new tile tile that says Julie Taylor. I was going there, but there. And if a, you listen, you hear no. No, no. There's so a new like, turn new, off the dog. There's, there's, a, new, the there's dog? a new figure in the haunted mansion <laughs> in the background. Oh, she's the one thousandth girl. Exactly. Yes, criticizing all the others. <laughs> you are not moving fast enough. If you could only do something a little Fly. more behind me and that's scary. Okay, uh, do you want you want to say wrestling news? Yes, right? I've got my fine sad, sad wrestling news. Bit of bit of port here. Uh, CM Punk uh, had been working sort of hurt, and apparently had to undergo emotionally hurt. Uh, I mean, yes, someone said in, emotionally hurt, hurt yeah. in oh, his I'm knee. Sorry. It's a physical activity. Um, yes, uh, hurt his hurt his knee. Ended up getting arthroscopic surgery on Tuesday. Uh, apparently it all went well. It looks like he's only going to miss a couple of weeks, but they've already written him out of the next pay-per-view, uh, which is kind of sad because Punk versus uh, Ryback, uh, the last pay-per-view. You mean Goldberg, right? Or, yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> did a big number. It, like It was the biggest number they'd done for a B-level show in ages, and more than, I think, 10% over last year. So, you know, Punk going down to a knee injury is pretty, pretty rough. Uh, but, you know, it happens every now and then. And so it looks like he is shoot, probably going to be back in time for the Rumble uh, in January. Did you see him on Talking Dead? I did not get to see him on Talking it Dead, was, but I hear he did better. I'm going to say, this is going to give him more time to write introductions for graphic novel collections. Yes. Right. He, has, he has his fingers in a lot of pies. He does. Yes. Uh, I hear he's even writing a script for the movie of his life. Really? Yes. I'm excited to see who they get to play him. I'm hoping it's James Franco. <laughs> Aren't we all? I'm, I'm with you, I guess. I don't know. So let's turn to the part of the podcast that you've all been waiting for all year long. Woo-hoo! Tonight is the Fanboy Planet Christmas gift recommendation. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. And the recommendation is awesome. It is actually it's only about 50 degrees. We're, we're in the Bay Area, yeah. yeah. Let's not talk, you know, I, I, yeah. No, um, it's frightfully pleasant. The weather outside oh, is mild. Yeah, and Chris's hair is still wild. Okay, uh, I was trying to figure out something with Julia Child, but why? Why would you go there? All I right. love Julia Child. <laughs> I know. All right, so who wants to go first with your? We're going to take the top three, top three out of our Christmas recommendations, and then we're going to. By, hopefully, by the time the podcast is up, I will have a page on Family Plan where you can go. And follow these links to Amazon. And actually buy everything. Buy these awesome items. Well, I'll start. Because I've got three great ones. Okay, Chris. Well, the first one is... The latest issue of the drink tank. Is No, it's even better than that. It's the latest issue of Journey Planet. Led me to rewatch all the James Bond films. And thus, my first thing, the one I want more than anything, is the James Bond box set, the James Bond 50 set. Well, now let me ask you something. If you already just rewatched all the Bond films, what do you need with the James Bond 50 set? Because I rented them all off Netflix. And I actually now want to own them because there are some I would want to go back to over and over again. I cannot get enough of you to a kill. 
Plus, you watched them in DVD. I watched them in DVD form. And these are Blu-ray. And these are Blu-ray. And so you're going to get the Blu-ray? Right. I get the Blu-ray. Okay. So, Rick Brettschneider, who also has all the Bond films on DVD. Yes, and I've actually, truth be told, I've owned them on the VHS. And then I owned them on LaserDisc. And now I own them on DVD, and I'm not quite ready to jump to Blu-ray unless I get them for Christmas. The remastered. Wait, I'm Say looking behind. Louder. I'm seeing Debbie's head shaking. No, <laughs> uh, I have now. I have seen two on Blu-ray. I saw uh, Quantum of Solace, and I saw Casino Royale. Casino Royale must have been, and they the, both look the latest Casino. Royale. Yeah, they both looked great. Yeah, um, which we should say. I don't think. This, the 50 does, no, it does it not. Does it's only include, the Aeon. It does not include Never Say Never Again. Never Say Never Again or Casino or Royale. Or Casino Royale that right. was from the 60s. Or the other Casino Royale. The 1950s one. Oh, right. Jimmy Bond. Yeah. Yes, with Jimmy Bond. But, uh, the it, American. It still looks very exciting. Uh, and I really want to have it. What's your second? My second? We mentioned it but before. I mention, by the way, that 50 does come with an empty case Yes. Skyfall. Oh, yeah. Yes. Very, very, very thoughtful. Yes. It's very nice. It's a them. gift that keeps giving. Um, taking. I am so excited. We talked about him earlier. China Maevo. Uh, and his novel this year, Rail Sea, is what I am I am dying for. It is basically, as I understand it, a retelling of Moby Dick on rail. On trains. On trains. I actually read, like, the first uh, eighth of the book. So they're trying to kill a whale from a train? No, they're trying to kill... They're, they're out hunting moles. These gigantic moles that run run alongside the train tracks. And it's, it's, quite, uh, it's quite a compelling vision of this alternative world where this rail sea, which is... Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's China. You know? Yeah, China Maibo. And I'm so excited for, you know, I love China stuff. Perdido Street Station, I consider to be the best novel of the period between 2000 and 2010. And, you know, this is the one I'm, I'm most excited for. But third and finally is the trade paperback for Saucer Country. Fair enough. I am very, very excited is for it. Is there a trade paperback out for Just came out, I think, last yeah. week. So it's got to be like the first six, six, six yeah. issues. So it's the first half of Saucer Country. Yeah. What's the retail on that, do you know? I actually don't know. I don't pay attention to costs, your mortal costs. Um, but I think that the first... I read when the first... the christeners are going to buy it for him yes. as a gift. That's right. The christeners, and you know I love you people. Um, that's the one... That's a comic that I've read this year. I only read like one or two issues of various comics this year. And the two issues I read of that were the, my two favorite comics for the year. So, that's where I'm going. Cool. It's a good book. It is. All right. I just want to go this way around the table. Says, why not? Yeah, well, why go, go Rick? So, my first book, noting that Star Wars is about to relaunch with another series, so and assuming say. that that series is going to take place after The Empire Strikes Back. So they say. After, after Return, uh, of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. We have to go back to what we've all considered to be the stories that followed Return of the Jedi, which was called the Thrawn Trilogy by, by uh, Timothy Zahn, starting with uh, Heir to the Empire and then Dark Horse Rising and The Last Command. Three meaty, lovely books that you could go out and buy. But what I'm, what I'm suggesting is that if you're not willing to make the commitment to three, a big trilogy, go and buy the Dark Horse Collection the of 
Star Wars The Thrawn Trilogy, which is the binding up of all the comic adaptations of those three books, which is really good artwork. And, of course, it's a story, and it's it's written by Zahn. Um, so that's that's number one for me. The uh, Has anybody read that series? No, but I want to. I've read, read the, the, the cover of the book. Yeah, I, read, I didn't read the graphic novels. I read the graphic novels. Right. So then my second my second recommendation is Christmas time is a time for getting together with friends, playing games, getting drunk. So you can invite us over to your house. Indeed. Okay. That's right. That'd As be so I much have fun. many times before. That's good play, clean American fun. Play cards against humanity. Oh my god. Which is an amazing adult variation on apples to apples, but with just the most abstract and ab- absurd card combinations if you aren't if everyone at the table isn't breaking down in laughter to the point of pain at some point in this game you're not playing cards against humanity well, I, I know my friends at comedy sports swear by this game every comedy sports game. party devolves into cards against it's humanity. it's a huge collection of cards for $25 you can buy it if you're not sure that you want to invest $25 on this you can actually go to their website and download the print-and-play version and try it out for free. But I recommend you go ahead and spend the big bucks, $25, and get the, the card set. It's ex- There are two expansions for it, and they just came out with a Christmas expansion. Just this week, I got mine delivered in the mail. So, Cards Against Humanity is my second. And then the third recommendation I have, even if you've already read... J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. There is a lovely deluxe pocket edition that just came out that will make you feel like a hobbit walking around in Middle-earth because it's a soft-bound book, leather cover, deliciously embossed, lovely book. Um, you, you want this book to... Is it small? It is small. It's about... about, So wouldn't it make you feel like a giant instead of like a hobbit? Well, no, a hobbit would have a scaled-down version of it keeping his backpack, his rucksack, his hobbit backpack. Holder. His his bag of holding. Yes. Yes. I believe it's a plus three. Yes. But when you see this... (laughs) When you see this in the store, if you see this in the store, you go to Amazon... It, just picking it up, you were going to want this book. So those are my three recommendations out of like forty that I sent you. I think yeah, those are great 50. recommendations. Rick. So difficult. Item number one. One. Say one. Diamond Select Toys has released a Silver Surfer bottle opener. A what? It's the Silver Surfer standing in front of his upright surfboard. I am weeping at this And his upright (laughs) surfboard opens your bottle. (laughs) I have held this item in my hand. I cannot believe that I lived long enough for this to be a mainstream item. What I love about this is you can shake the beer up ahead of time and recreate the Kirby crackle around the That's right. <laughs> around the board. Merry Christmas, Rick. I'm giving that one to you. <laughs> I totally want to waste a beer on that and have my brother stare at me and say, what is wrong with you? And he's going, he's the space rider of the spaceways. 
Dude, I'm the older brother. You have no hope of knowing what's wrong with me. You weren't there. <laughs> what's number two? Item number two. Sayeth two. two. Is a Spider-Man cycling skin suit. You've all seen the goofballs riding around on their bikes on the side of the road wearing their neoprene skin tight if you donate suits. enough money to PayPal and Fanboy Planet I won't use it to buy the <laughs> no, you'll this still one use you just won't take pictures looks like <laughs> Spider-Man's suit does it come with a hood it does not come with the hood. You have to Damn. order that separately. I should say, however, I've noticed that they also have a Batman one. Oh, really? With utility belt. Wow. But no Separate? cape. No cape. But it's all that yeah, one piece. So. I wouldn't want a cape if I were bike riding anyhow. I don't or know. Or drag. I don't know. If I'm trying to save the planet, I... All you got to do is not stop. Yeah, because <laughs> the cape is getting in the way of your bike riding. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Item number three. 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 Say it on. Is Saga Volume 1, which retails for 10 measly dollars. The best. Written bargain. by Brian K. Vaughn, illustrated by Fiona Staples. Oh, yes. And it is stupendous. Highly recommend. Delicious. And item number four is Walking Dead Compendium 2. Alright. Did you did you get one? Such a rebel. Yet? No, I don't need one. I have all the issues of walking down. Okay, so you don't need it. Alright. Alright. So if you've already got it, you don't need it. That's right. Okay. Alright. So let me go through these things that uh not necessarily things for me, but for the nerd in your life. Uh a book I discovered this week, which I wish I was as creative. Knits for nerds. Knits. Knits, K-N-I-T-S, uh, by a woman named Tony Carr, but she gives her gnome de plume as Joan of Dark, and uh, she has created a book of patterns, knitting patterns, that fit in with the uh, major nerd lifestyle. So this is can, an awesome book. So you can make uh, gloves to be a dragon rider of Pern. You can make a cap that makes your hair look like Princess Leia's. I need that. Oh, yes. In the back, I'm kind of impressed as much as I think the television show no longer deserves this respect. There is a chapter devoted to the sweaters that the characters wear on Big Bang Theory. So you could actually make something that would pass as normal. But uh, there's many more things that I can't really remember offhand. But Oh, there was the Padme uh, throw uh, the, when she's fighting in, in uh, Attack of the Clones. So you can you can knit that cable top with a cut. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so very clever uh, and cute little, and you can do like stuffed creatures. Will as it well. actually teach a nerd to knit? I don't know. You will believe a nerd can. I knit. do not know. <laughs> but I thought of another thing. If you know somebody who's into crafts, it's like, oh, what a great idea! Yeah, really cool, really cool book. The second thing is, it was just announced yesterday. But it's coming out on Tuesday. Like, Warner Archives sat on this. They have two things. One is the uh, original Wonder Woman television pilot with Kathy Lee Crosby. Right. Um, which I think was actually available on one of the uh, one of the Smallvilles, I think. Or maybe one of the seasons of Wonder Woman. 
but, they release it on, on both VHS and I think early in DVD. But anyway, they're releasing it separately uh, uh, for Doesn't the archives. Does she have a javelin as a weapon? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Javelin, she has, you know. Because you know, you know, disarms But you know, I looked at the costume last night and I thought, considering it's the early 70s, it's actually a far more practical costume for crime fighting. Like, it right. doesn't look like one of them, but it looks like a patriotic hero out of that. Yeah, maybe if I watched it again, I wouldn't hate it as much as I did in 1973. But be that as it may, that's not the thing that I thought was cool. So though, if you're interested in Wonder Woman, it's a nice little treat, and it's cheap. But the second season of Superboy, the the half-hour syndicated television program produced by Ilya and Alexander Salkind, um, is being released on Tuesday. It's where uh, John Newton, ha- John Hames Newton, was the actor who played Superboy in the first season. He was a little dark, brooding. He was very Tom Welling-esque, if you will. And they got rid of him for whatever reason. I don't know if he left the series or if they just decided to recast him. But Madness seized the series. And it became a show you would enjoy instead of a show that was, like, embarrassed to be about Superboy. It embraced it. They hired a whole bunch of DC writers. So Mike Carlin was involved. Marv Wolfman was involved. Jerry Conway was involved. I think there's a couple others. I think Howard Chaykin even wrote a couple of episodes. Really? Wow. And they recast the role with Gerard Christopher. So he's a college student. Clark Kent's a college student with Lana Lang, Stacey Heideck. She was delicious. And they uh, play, They are on the school paper. And they so they get to be like the junior version of the Daily Planet. But they're going out and, and, and exploring. But they went ahead and just threw in the villains. So, Michael J. Pollard, best casting ever, the guy, the little guy, sidekick from Bonnie and Clyde, the little slim little guy, is Mr. Mixes Patilic. And in the total, in the purple and green purple. outfit, wow. and uh, there's a couple of episodes with him, Bizarro shows up, they got a good Lex Luthor, older, um, Terra Man shows up, George Lazenby, oh, George Lazenby is Jorel. And uh, so I don't know if we're going to get there, but Ron Ely played an alternate universe version of Superman. I'm not sure if it's second season or third season, but it's like this show was like, well, it's not Yellow Perry, which was a villain from this. What year was comics? 89, 90. OK, I was, I was, uh, it was, well, it was a high school. So was it syndicated? Syndicated. Yeah, I thought so. And one of the and unique because it's one of the series uh, filmed at the Hollywood backlot that MGM and Disney opened up in Florida, so it was one, it was like there was going to be this huge wave of production in Florida, and Superboy was one of the major series that came out of that. Uh, it was but, on TV twenty. But regardless, fun, fun series. Finally, I mean, the first season's been out forever, but nobody wants it. It's not the fun season. This is the fun season. Season, season two, of Superboy. season two of Superboy. Excellent. And the last thing I'm going to throw out there, and I'm going to go ahead and say maybe I, it is something I do want. I went to ThinkGeek. I don't know if Amazon will have it, but I thought I wanted to go out there and look at ThinkGeek stuff, and I found this and fell in love. A Star Trek door chime. So it goes on. It doesn't have to be on your front door. It can be on your door in your bedroom, your dorm, whatever. I've seen it on a cubicle wall. And you can set it either way. So either it when you when someone opens the door, it goes like the transporter, uh, like the swoosh, the swoosh, or it goes to red alert. Which is what it's going to do in my house. <laughs> um, it'll teach my son to go snooping for his Christmas presents again. I'll tell you. Um, so those are my those are my gift recommendations. I can't think of a better thing for a geek. 
less than 20 bucks at thinkgeek.com. Wow. It did look pretty cool. And Think Geek, I think they had a pretty amusing video that went along with it, it too. I think they did. Yeah. Which, I mean, but of course, Think, Think Geek, we don't give enough credit. And I haven't given them enough of my money yet this season, but because Amazon's gotten most of it. But uh, that's where I where I'm going with. So uh, if if any if we've left something out that you think you want, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Oh my god, are they playing Adele? Behind yeah, I was us? about to say we're going to leave the podcast weeping. Uh, so write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief. I am Nate Cast America's buddy. I'm Christopher J. Garcia, Hugo Award winner. Ow! And this and is not our Christmas episode, but still, we're going to give you a Yeah. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to <laughs> use, use your, your powers, powers only, only to listen to Adele <laughs> in the Fairmont Bobby Bar. Take us away, Adele. The ghost of Christmas sorrow. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.